yourself, well, I don't use social media. Well, you, if you don't use social media, I would almost guarantee you that you either have a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter or somebody that you know is using social media in your family. Okay, so I, I ask you please today, as, uh, as our friends and children and, and grandchildren are all immersed in this social media, and as we parent them and lead them, obviously, and we disciple them in Jesus Christ, that you know, we can't escape the world, y'all, but we, can't, we, can't, we are called to live carefully in this world today, both individually and as we live together uh, as a community, as the bride of Christ. The verse in sec- uh, 2 Peter verses 3, 15, uh, 17 through 18 says this, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In so many ways today, I don't know about you, but it seems like, how many of y'all seems like that we're losing our own stability? Do you feel like sometimes that foundation and that stability is like, where is it? I want it. I got to have it, okay? We want this class today, okay, for us to be an opportunity to discuss obviously what we value and how we want our to live our lives according to God's word okay and we want to be open and share with each other I don't want you to feel guilty I want you to feel motivated I want you to feel like wow I didn't know that as we share some of these things of what social media is doing to our minds I want you to think to yourself well man I didn't realize that because how many of y'all watched the social dilemma let me see a hand Okay, quite a few. If you did not watch it, I'm going to show about a two-minute video clip this morning just to introduce what we are going to be discussing a little bit today and, and how, obviously, and even with God's Word, some of the scriptures we're going to talk about. But let me, let me play this uh, uh, real quickly here. that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. 
If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. Right off the bat, the focus of today is not, the focus of these series of what we're going to talk about is not, about social media. The focus is about your life and my life in Jesus Christ. This happens to be a part of what we're having to live with today, right? But I want you to know that, that I, I'm, I show that video only to help you. If you have not seen that, I, I challenge you to watch it. Get together with your, your teenagers, with your, your children, and watch it together. Let them watch it. Let them understand what is going on on the back end of artificial intelligence and technology. Like I told you, as a software programmer and engineer, I, I, knew, I thought I knew everything was going on. And when I watched this about six or eight months ago, I was like, wow, I am right in the middle of this. I'm clueless. I'm doing this every day. And I don't even, I'm not even... And so right then, at that particular point, I made the decision that I was going to put these lessons together and that I was going to move forward in helping all of us to stay aware of what's going on. This documentary makes the case, and I want you all to listen to this, that willpower cannot compete with some of the most sophisticated artificial intelligence on the planet. Your willpower can't compete with that, is what it's saying. So what can we do together as a family? What can we do to help develop healthy relationships with technology for ourselves and our family? What can we do to ensure that our families here at Tuscumbia understand these challenges and continue to be aware of the fight needed to address them? What kind of change would you personally like to see with your social media habits? Ask that to yourself. Do we need to change what we are doing and how we are in Let me ask that. Just answer that. Somebody, do we need to change what we are doing and how we are interacting with social media? Can somebody say yes or no? Okay. Do y'all believe we need to change, young people? That's a hard question, right? Because you're like, man, I love this thing. Do y'all realize the number one anxiety thing for kids? Do y'all understand what the number one anxiety is? Do y'all know what it is? When they don't have this. Y'all realize that? Go look at research. When they do not have this, it is, oh, oh, no. <laughs> I don't have, what am I going to do? For a lot of adults, it's the same way, right? Oh, I left it this morning. Some of y'all probably left it at home this morning. You left and you got halfway here and you're like, I left my phone. What am I going to do? That's all good, but let me show you something that's even more astounding. If you look. And I want you to look at this chart. It's a little bit tough to see. But this is U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm. Okay? Non-fatal self-harm for girls ages 10 to 14 and girls ages six, uh, 15 to 19. There's a block on here. It's called 2009. You may not be able to see it from the back. But there, the year is 2009. Does anybody know what happened in 2009? 
It is the year that social media started. It is the year that YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of those applications became online in 2009. For that time period, this chart of U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm of young ladies from ages 10 to ages 19 was pretty flat for, for decades. In 2009, we introduced social media and noticed that it has gone up 189% since that time for young girls. The, the chart, 62%. Even for that. The next chart that I'll show you just real quickly is, and this is really sad, it is for U.S. suicide rates. Social media available on mobile in 2009, our aged girls aged 10 to 14, suicide rates have gone up 151% and they continue to climb. 70% for girls ages 15 to 19. Do y'all think we need to do something about it? You may say, oh, I don't really need it. I don't have my brother anymore because he took his life back in 1989 before this has even started. I can tell you, you've got a friend. You've got a sister. You've got a brother who says, I want to do something different. <laughs> you may not be doing that right now. You may not be having that feeling in your heart. You may, and I hope you, I pray that you don't. But I pray for all of us to understand and know you can save a life. That's what we want to do, okay? I believe that, okay? I'm not here to tell you that you're going to get rid of it. I'm going to say that over and over again because I'm not that kind of person. I'm a technology guy. I love technology. But I'm here to tell you let's wake up. Let's look at this head on, okay, as we do this. So let's talk a little bit about today, about how social media hacks our brains. You know, God made our minds so powerful. Our biology serves us brilliantly in these ways, okay? But when we engage in persuasive technology, okay, that's what it's called, persuasive technology, that is a term that's used by the software engineers that wrote all of these applications. They are trying to persuade you in a certain thing in a certain way, whatever event, whatever subject, whatever it might be, you fill in the blank. It's called persuasive technology. It begins to train your thoughts, train my thoughts, feelings, motivations, and attention starts to replicate what the technology is designed to produce. Okay, this training creates this kind of neural momentum that makes us more likely to persist in those behaviors even when they're not good for us. That's how powerful our mind is. That's how God made us. So social media presents this special case of persuasive technology where the psychological levers are poked and prodded in our brains. Often, and this is, this is interesting, often without us even being consciously aware of it. It's just happening, and we don't even know it. Our brains you know, are shortcuts to navigate the complex world around us. Okay? We pay more attention to fearful and dangerous stimuli okay, because we want to stay safe. We remember things that hurt us more than the things that help us, okay, so that we can predict those future consequences. And we tend to follow the popular opinion of those around us to build a stronger community and we want to be a, a part of. But those shortcuts don't work all the time, okay, and they don't work perfectly in every situation. They can become what they call cognitive, and listen, cognitive biases, okay, or ways in which our brains and the patterns of our brains make us vulnerable 
to errors in judgment, manipulation, exploitation. Let me show you why. Take a look at this image. Let me explain this cognitive bias. Take a look at this image real quick right here. All right? If I were to show this image, maybe. One more. Okay. Maybe not. All right, one more. There we go. So let me go back here now. I've already given it. So if I were to show you this, and y'all can't see this maybe from the very back, but at the top there's a block that's marked A, and there's a block that's marked B right there. Do y'all see those two blocks? Okay. Can somebody tell me which labeled square, A or B, is darker? Does everybody think A? Raise your hand if you think it's A. Okay, everybody can say A, okay? Let me explain to you how cognitive bias works in your brain, okay? Those two squares are exactly the same color. And you're like going, there's no way they're the same color. Somebody, I see somebody up here going, no, they don't look the same color. Let me show you why. These two lines right here are exactly identical in color. Y'all follow me? These two lines are identical in color. So if these two lines are identical in color, look at where the line up there crosses A. Is it the same color as A? Right? Look at where the line crosses B. Is it the same color as B? Hmm. Now I took this even in Photoshop because my brain, my engineer brain was like, no, there's no way that there's like that. I took this in Photoshop and I looked at the color RGB. Some of y'all don't know what that is, but I looked at the actual colors of those two lines and they're identical. If those two lines are identical and the same color, then A and B are the same color, y'all. And you say to yourself, your brain, okay, it's, di it's difficult in identifying. This comes from when your brain helpfully analyzing the colors, the shadows, and the shapes and viewing the picture as a three-dimensional thing. Your brain views square B up there as a light-colored square that happens to be green, okay, to be in the green cylinder shadow, right? It's in the shadow. Your knowledge, and, and this is what's important of this right here. And this is for the function or what it has to do with social media. Your knowledge that squares A and B are the same color doesn't change your perception. Your perception is like mine, that B is lighter than A. That's the perception, right? That's what's called a cognitive bias. Even though in reality they're the same color, the cognitive bias says, David, they're the same color. In your brain the perception is that it's lighter that's right. Well, guess what social media does to us? <laughs> That's the persuasive technology. That is what's happening. That's the cognitive bias that's in action. So today we're going to look at some of these ways of how, okay, at how the actual social media hacks our brains, okay? I'm not saying everybody on this list falls in line with everything we're going to talk about. But what I am going to tell you is, as we run through these very quickly, is, is that some of these apply to you, some of these may not, okay? But what I want you to know is important for us to remember because our children are involved as well. And so many of them apply and we're like, we're already set in our ways, okay? But our children's minds are still developing even to the age of 25, all right? And so as they're developing, we've got to understand this is happening within them of what they're seeing and what they're doing. So the first thing of how social media hacks our brains is making the trivial seem urgent or creating urgency. You know, our attention span is a limited resource. Some of us, it's more limited than others, okay? Amen? At any given point, our, you know, moment in time, our brains need to determine what is important, 
All right? So we're thinking, what's important right now? Is homework important or is basketball important? Is this important or is this important? Okay? That's called the salience network of the brain, which includes the anterior insula and dorsal anterior cingulate cortex. I stated the Holiday Express last night, so I can say that. So anyways, when the salience network is activated, okay, when that salience network in your brain is activated, we're alerted to this threat, okay, or an opportunity. So it's like a threat or an opportunity. Acting is like a circuit breaker. That salience network is like a circuit breaker going on. So has anybody seen these before? Hello? Okay. They're designed and they're called notifications, right? Their vibrations is bent. Okay, it's, it's red. It's red for a reason, okay? There's a circle with a number in it. How many of y'all are like me and it's like, I cannot have a circle, okay? I got to get rid of them. <laughs> some of y'all are smiling, all right? It's like, I've got it. I can't have any, all right? And some of y'all are like, I don't care. There can be 100 on there. I don't matter to me, all right? Everybody's personality is different. But what does it do is this. There are occasions, and listen, dads, listen, moms, there are occasions when you need to be spending time with your children. And it's going, bant, bant, and you look at it, and you're, that, that 30 seconds of time is spent looking at somebody's new house or new car that you don't even have to know because you get a notification. I'm going to tell you all, six months ago, seven months ago when I watched this, the very first thing I did... And if, I don't, if you don't go away from here anything today, the very first thing I did was I turned off every notification on my phone except for I have a group elder's text, okay? I, and I left my text notifications on, but I turned off Facebook, I turned off Twitter, I turned off Instagram, and I didn't turn them off within the application. I went to my phone and turned them off. I said, I don't want you to send me because I don't really care about this happen in your life when I'm sitting and eating with my children, my grandchildren, I want to give them 100% of my attention. I'm tired of this thing owning me. It's owning us, y'all. Do you think I'm passionate? Yeah, I am passionate because I'm looking and saying, young people, you want to be in charge of your life? Y'all want to be in charge? You're tired of mom and dad being in charge? You're not in charge. This is in charge of your life. <laughs> you mean to tell you why? Go for a day without it. Put it, at, put it home. Don't take it. Go for a day and see what's in charge of your life. Okay? Adults do the same thing. Okay? I'm going to tell y'all it's one of the best things I ever did. Turn off notifications because now, guess what? I can pick it up. Does that mean I don't go to Facebook? No. I go to Facebook now. I know y'all don't use Facebook. I go to Instagram. I do those things when I want to see my kids and friends, but I do it when I want to do it. I don't do it when somebody, when it's telling me to do it because guess what? The guys on the back end that designed it are doing that to us. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, y'all. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do y'all understand? I mean, this is happening. This has been around. The Bible knows what this does to us. And so it, it destroys the things that are around us. I challenge you today, are you taking every thought captive, okay? Understand that making the trivial seem urgent is a way that social media challenges our brain, okay? Number two is this, is that social media can hack our brain by encouraging seeking without fulfillment. Encouraging seeking without fulfillment, okay? How many of y'all want things, 
in life? How many of y'all want things? Okay, we got two people that are honest, okay? How many of y'all want things? Have ever wanted things in life? Everybody, right? You want something, right? When you want something in life, have y'all, when you get what you want, are you satisfied or not satisfied? Have you ever bought a car? Have you ever bought something other than you're like, man, I want this car so bad. And then you get the car and a month later you're like going, eh, I really don't want this car. You know, we want things, and when we get them, we should enjoy them. Because if you want it, you should enjoy it, right? Okay? However, the brain circuit involved in wanting, y'all get this, young people, the brain circuit involved in wanting something is much more powerful than the brain circuit involved in enjoyment. Wanting something is, that brain, man, it's fired up. Enjoying it over here is like, eh, no, no, no. Okay? So that circuitry going on there, and there's a word that we call for that, and what do y'all think it is? It's called, it's called the dopamine effect. Somebody tell me, what is dopamine? What is dopamine? Does anybody know? The dopaminergic system is it's the feel-good hormone in your brain. There is, a, there is a hormone in your brain that gets instigated when you want to drink water. When you're thirsty, there's a dopamine effect. That happens. It's like, I want to drink a thing of water because I'm thirsty. When I'm thirsty, it extends a signal to my brain, and the dopamine in my brain, the hormone says, boom, what's going to take care of that? I'll drink a water. It'll take care of it for me. Y'all follow me? All right? The feeling of wanting something can be so strong that even when we find what we want, we don't get much satisfaction from it. Sometimes the wanting networks in our brain become hypersensitive, and we get addicted we get addicted to this endless loop of seeking. And in addiction, what we want, okay, becomes disassociated from what we enjoy. Let me say that again. In addiction, what we want becomes disassociated from what we enjoy. Now listen, y'all. Technology and social media capitalizes on that. It capitalizes on that potency of wanting. And it provides this endless possibility, okay, of seeking, but few experiences that satiate the brain, few experiences that has that uh, desiring or, or that pleasure that gives you. We might find that fleeting pleasure, but, but in the end, our tolerances increases and all we do is this. And an hour has gone by. And what we want, okay, that brain part of that, and what we enjoy is disassociated. They do it on purpose. It's called money. They do it. That's why they're doing it. I just want you to be aware of it. That's not, it's not, you know, you say, well, I knew that. Well, I don't know if all of our young people know. I don't know if we really do know. And understand that's what they're trying to get you to do over and over and over again. There's only one individual who can satisfy us for life. His name is Jesus Christ. I love the, the Jesus in the story, of the, you know, the woman at the well of, of Samaria, Right? And in these verses in John 4, he said to her, everyone, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be what? Thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This will not satisfy your thirst. This will not satisfy your thirst. Only Jesus Christ will satisfy your thirst. Okay? He's the only one. Speak it, believe it, know it. 
Live it daily. Write it on the doorpost of your house. Talk about it. Y'all understand that how we are wire, wired and allow our brain to be wired is who we become and who we are. Be aware to help one another. Number three that, of how social media hacks our brains is encouraging constant social comparison. You know, most of us as human beings, we're social creatures, right? I know some of y'all could, you know, live out in a farm out in the middle of nowhere. A lot of y'all may do that right now. But I mean, ultimately, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really want to deal with anybody. But God made us social, as social creatures. We naturally, our natural evolution, okay, okay, is to evaluate our worth by comparing ourselves to others. That's just something natural. The, pre, the, the medical prefrontal cortex, okay, the, of our brains right there, prioritizes information about ourselves. So that front part of our brain that's still developing in young people, okay, it helps to, um, you know, prioritize the information about ourselves. And self-esteem involves that ongoing process of affirming ourselves and fighting off threats to self-worth. This is one of the challenges that most have with social media. Our habit sometimes of measuring ourselves against others, sometimes that inspires us to achieve more. Y'all follow what I'm saying? If I look at somebody at school, I look at somebody in the church that is where I want to be, then I will emulate or want to emulate, and so I compare myself to them and say, I want to be where you are, so what do I need to do to get where you got? So I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do these things, okay? That's a good way that we evaluate and compare ourselves to each other. But most of the time, most comparisons, okay, are more commonly lead to a negative thing, negative emotions as envy and shame, Okay, and anxiety or conceit. Social media creates an environment in which we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. Our brains pay close attention to the information about ourselves, and we tend to compare information about ourselves to what we learn about other people, okay, so that we can fit in in, our, you know, in a social environment. That social media dramatically, you know, escalates that. It dramatically escalates the scope and, and stakes of our comparisons. Y'all realize that the guy that was on the, so, on the Social Dilemma documentary, he developed the like button, okay? He developed that like button, but now he's saying what I developed it for back in 2007, 2008, 2009 is not what it's producing today. The love button, okay, from, you know, that you have on Instagram and the, and the things that you see, obviously, from, from the different, um, you know, social media platforms, we validate ourselves by those likes, and it's a recipe for compulsive comparison and self-doubt and, and this ecocentric melodrama. And here's what I want to ask you. Y'all think that you say to yourself, well, I, it doesn't really bother me, Grant. I'm, I'm, it doesn't bother me at all, okay? Like thing, people, they don't like my stuff. I don't care about that. We have children. <laughs> We're, we've sort of forgotten. It's like, oh, it's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Because I can handle the like, or I can help. We got children that struggle mightily with it. It does affect us. We've got to start understanding that. We've got to speak it. We've got to talk to our children about it. We've got to tell them, hey, that, that like button is, is garbage. It doesn't mean anything. What means something is Jesus Christ in your life. What means something, you're worthy because of him, not because of anything else that you have done. You know, I always tell people, this like thing encourages you. You know, if this makes so... How many of y'all see things that people post? It would be like me taking my phone and, 
when Kara and I, Kara's my wife, and we've been in a really bad argument. And I'll look at her and I'll go, okay, hold on, honey. Let's take a picture of this and let me take a little small, you know, 30-second video of me yelling at you. And then let me post that on Facebook so everybody can see it. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? Because guess what? We all do it, right? It's a part of our lives. It's what we do. It's the challenges that we face in our families. But why don't we do that? Because the, the technology is designed to, to draw you in a different direction. Our minds and the way God made us is that I want to be a part. I, wanna, I don't have what they have. I don't, people are only showing you what they think. Even the apps now to where they change all your face and they do all, you can add all kinds. Of, I mean, it's just, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm telling you, be aware. I'm telling you, understand and know that there's something on the back end that's trying to grab you, trying to pull you in a direction that you may you need to stand up and say, I'm not going to go that direction. Okay? I'm not going to go there. Galatians chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Okay? Proverbs uh, 14 and verse 30. This is a great verse right here. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy, <laughs> a word that we do not study a lot. When's the last time you've had a lesson on envy? Last Sunday. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really talk about envy, do we? Or, I mean, I don't, I, mean it's been, I don't know, Madison, when's the last time we've talked about envy? But I would almost guarantee you it's one of the challenges that we face in the Bible, and it says that but envy makes the bones rot. It makes your bones rot, so it's like, man, I can't wait till my bones rot. Let me just have some more of that envy. Let me look at all these things people do and everything. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to go there, okay? I want to be thankful for what I have. I'm gratifying you know, my kids all my life. I told them, you guys, I told my girls from, from day one, I said, you're not going, you're, you can make me sad, but you're not going to make me unhappy. You say, what's the difference, David? I said, I am happy because of what Jesus Christ did for me and what he gave me through, and, and the life that he gave me through his, you know, through how God gave it through his son. What you do does not affect that. The choices that you make are not going to affect that. I will be sad for you and I will be sad, but that's not going to, because my worth and my satisfaction doesn't come from you doing something good or bad. My worth and satisfaction comes from Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. I want them to, to understand that and take that on themselves. I want that to be something other for them in their life, that they understand and know that their worth doesn't come from anything right here in this life, but it comes from only Jesus Christ. I say that because I'm telling you parents, grandparents, let's speak it. Let's not think it. Let's quit thinking it in our brains. Let's speak it in our households. Let's speak it at the dinner table. Let's speak it whenever we are, wherever we are. Don't let it happen just here. Let it happen in our daily lives and watch your life change. Watch your life grow in the spirit and in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's okay to be on fire for the Lord. Amen? We need more of that, okay, in today's world. All right, 
Um, let me just go cover through, I'm going to cover through one more here. Um, this verse here in Romans chapter 12 is a verse that we all know that, you know, Paul tells us that I appeal to you brothers, therefore brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay? Would y'all say today that there's a lot of conformity going on? I will tell y'all, and I'll end this session with one, one example that I believe, and we talked about it at the very beginning as to why we need to talk about this. I'm not saying this right now because I... If, if you know me, and a lot of you do, I, I am not a judge. I don't judge people. God can judge people. Now, what I will do is I'll take the Bible and I'll discern from, the, from God's Word what I do. One of the fat challenges that we face today, and this is so true, and the reason that I think this is something that we all need to be aware of in what's happening to our brains is this. There's one example that I can give you. This is my opinion as to why we need to move forward. And it has to do with homosexuality and gender. If you were to ask our generation, Doug, if you were to ask our generation what we believe as homosexuality and as far as those types of things today, it's, it's, a, it's black and white to us. It's the Bible, God hates it. We know that, right? I mean, there's no, there's no questioning like, uh, you know, kind of thing. I will say this, and I'll, I'll preface it with this, and I should have said this earlier. Those that are struggling with that in their life, same-sex attraction, I love you to death. Your sin is no different than my sin on a daily basis. God loves you more than just as much as he loves me. We all struggle with that. But here's how social media has changed our brains. Our young people don't see homosexuality the way we see it. They're like, those people can do really whatever they want to do. It's okay. And I'm not telling you that y'all believe that. I'm just saying, in a general sense, you ask your friends, you ask the people 20 years ago what they thought about homosexuality and what they think about it today. Do I believe that social media has been a part of that? Absolutely. Because I think that they have been seen over and over. Boy kissing boy, girl kissing girl, this, whatever, whatever else. And our brains are too powerful to not process it some way differently. Do we need... Obviously, to understand what social media is doing to us? Absolutely. Do we need to help one another as we move forward? Yes. Okay? And I'll use this as the last illustration. I heard this illustration not long ago, and you guys, y'all may have heard this before. But I, have you, have y'all, who has been out to see the redwood trees? Okay, out in California. Pretty awesome, right? Okay. Massive. Y'all see where the, the, a car could ride through one of the trees. Do y'all realize those trees are hundreds of feet tall? I mean, they're, I mean, they're hundreds of feet tall. Most of the time, what do you think about the roots that grow for a tree that's that tall? Do y'all think that they're really deep? There's one of the biggest tree, largest trees in the universe. But the redwood tree, everybody in here, those roots only grow. They're one of the shallowest roots of any roots of any trees that are on the planet. And they grow out. And when they grow out, guess what they do? They can grow out to as many as 30 different trees. 
And when they do, they interconnect together. And they help each other withstand. This family here at Madison help each other withstand the things that are going on. Don't judge families when they have struggled with social media and things that are posted. Love them. Be a support. Be a root system for them that they can grow tall and strong in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, you're good to us in so many ways. And uh, I'm thankful for this body of believers here that, that worship here at, my, at Tuscumbia. Just so thankful, Father, that you established the church and the bride of Christ. More for us not just to come and worship. We love to worship and we worship you every first day of the week and we want to do that. But it's more than that. It's let's build each other up. Let's encourage each other. Let's stand by each other. Let's do what we can to overcome the devil in this spiritual battle that we're facing each and every day. And I pray, Father, that as our young people, as adults, as we're on this social media, that I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, that you will allow us, Father, to, to look at this in a way and understand the, what the devil's trying to do to us on the back end. And I pray that each and every person that's here knows that their self-worth is not because of something, not some material, not because of whatever it might be that they see, but I pray, Father, that they realize and understand that our self-worth, our worth becomes because of the death of your son on the cross and him being risen again that we can have power in this life today. We love you, Father. I, I pray that each of these family love each other and encourages and, and help one another so that we can save lives as we move forward in your kingdom and we can bring more and more people to know Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.